press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Wednesday, December 7. A debt bomb is ticking in millions of Australian households with an explosion likely in 2023. $275 billion of fixed interest mortgages approved during the pandemic when rates were at record lows are set to expire, meaning interest payments could jump as much as 65% in some households. That's likely to slow the economy as families try to limit their discretionary spending in the coming year. Half a million Australians, that's up to 2% of the population, are probably infected with COVID-19 right now. Experts say the fourth wave is likely plateauing and will be over by Christmas, and the vast majority of patients are reinfections. A high rate of vaccination and the fact 80% of Australians have already recovered once from COVID is why admissions to intensive care and ventilations are way down. Chris Dawson claims he's split from his third wife, Susan, and is blaming the stress caused by being labelled a killer. The convicted murderer was sentenced to 24 years imprisonment on Friday and has just sold a home he owned with Susan Dawson on the Gold Coast. The property changed hands for just under $1 million. Today we've got news that the Independent Reserve Bank has lifted interest rates once again. Uh, These interest rate rises are already having harsh and heavy consequences uh, on a lot of household budgets and on a lot of mortgage repayments. Uh, But the full impact uh, of these rate rises is still to be felt in the economy. Uh, But as the RBA has made clear today, uh, we expect that the full impact of these rate rises will be felt down the track. First up today, as the Reserve Bank hikes the target cash rate for a record eighth month in a row to 3.1%, there's one big cost of living pressure the government's determined to tackle before Christmas. Stay with us. With major industrial relations reforms signed into law and negotiations for a National Anti-Corruption Commission on the boil, Labor's legislative blitz looked unstoppable until late Monday night when it was announced Anthony Albanese has coronavirus again. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has been tested positive for COVID. He's posted on Twitter today, this afternoon, I had a routine PCR test, which has returned a positive result for COVID-19. I'll be isolating and will continue to work from home. I encourage anyone who is unwell to test and take any extra precautions to keep their families and their neighbours well. It comes as we zoom rapidly towards the end of the year and it's potentially knocked the government off course on its last must-do item, dealing with households' whopping energy bills. Jeff Chambers is The Australian's chief political correspondent and joins me now. Jeff, how bad is this timing for Anthony Albanese getting COVID just as he was hitting his stride? Oh, actually, it's probably a convenient timing for the Prime Minister. They just have not yet landed the deal with the states and territories, but particularly the big coal-fired power states of New South Wales and Queensland. And there's also been some pushback 
from Peter Malinowskis down in South Australia in relation to plans to cap a, a gas price. So the reality of it is that they weren't ready to progress things and those negotiations are continuing. So National Cabinet has now been pushed to Friday and a scheduled Federal Cabinet meeting over in Perth, which was to include all the Labor ministers, that's now been shelved. So I think the clock is ticking. The Prime Minister put a a clear uh, before Christmas deadline on striking a deal, and it's looking increasingly that the Feds want to move forward with their mandatory code of conduct, which includes a floating price mechanism, which is an effective cap on gas producers. And I understand that that work is done, and it has been done for a fortnight or so. And the big issue here, as we've been writing about, is in relation to the Barney with the states over a price cap on coal, because all the governments and all the experts realise that a cap on a gas price without a cap on coal could have pretty negative outcomes, particularly in those high demand periods like we saw during the energy crisis of June, July, where coal is absolutely relied upon in the national electricity market. The Federal Energy Minister is urging Sydney residents to limit power use tonight, warning the New South Wales grid is under significant pressure. If you've got those prices going nuts and gas prices low, there isn't the balance there. So as much as you've got renewables, gas and coal in the system, the two real dependable sources, especially in high dispatchable times, are gas and coal. So one without the other is problematic. But I think that the feds will proceed with gas. It's a bit more uh, uncertain around coal. So when it gets very cold or very hot and we all switch on our electricity at home at the same time, that's when prices can get out of control. The states seem much more willing, Jeff, as you've said, to agree to a cap and a code of conduct on gas prices. Why are they happy to agree to that but holding out on coal? Well, Queensland in particular, they've got the most modern coal-fired power fleet in the country and that coal-fired power fleet is actually very critical in the national electricity market and what we see during these high peak periods when those prices go up that these state-owned coal-fired power generators create a lot of revenue for Queensland. That's where Palaszczuk says hands off our generators. She wants to be subsidised for whatever revenues that they might lose out on going forward and in New South Wales one of their issues is that they've let their coal-fired power fleet really not, not sort of been upkept as the way that they should. So there's a real price spike that you see in New South Wales during these high peak demand periods. The other interesting issue for New South Wales is that there is an election in the air and there will be a budget from Matt Keane. So there is just huge pressure on Dominic Perrottet to get the politics right on this. Anthony Albanese clearly wants to address National Cabinet himself, so he'll be dragging himself off the sickbed and onto a Zoom call on Friday to have those talks with the Premiers. What should we read into that, Jeff? Is it, does it say something that he doesn't want Chris Bowen, the responsible minister, to lead these negotiations? I think it's become too high stakes. And I think as much as he's had a group of ministers working on various elements of the package, so Jim Chalmers with the ACCC has had a lot to do with the code of conduct. And then you've got Chris Bowen, Ed Husick and Madeline King involved as well. And a lot of criticism from industry has been that they've been getting mixed messages across the board. And I guess now is the time for the Prime Minister 
to take control, particularly with the premiers being so animated. This is one of his marquee priorities and he has to take responsibility for whatever eventuates. Our preference is a regulatory outcome. If that requires the Commonwealth to come to the table with a sensible contribution to that outcome, then obviously we're prepared to discuss that. But we'd like to do that without resorting to some of the tax proposals which have been put forward in the public conversation. Stay with us. The householders we aren't talking about enough. And what does this all mean for the climate? More from my interview with Jeff Chambers after the break. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. How do you think voters are thinking about this, Jeff? If you look at opinion polling around gas and coal, but gas in particular, punters are looking at the big companies making big, big profits off the back of global situations. And there is a lot of support to take action in this space, but there could be unintended consequences And I think that's where they have to be creative and flexible and probably look at temporary measures rather than permanent measures. Because if you do have these big companies following through and you see investment pulling out, then you have that trickle down effect around productivity and jobs. One group of householders who we might not talk about enough are renters who, of course, have to pay gas and electricity bills. They may not be subject to direct mortgage increases themselves, but increasing rents is a massive component of inflation, so we know that they're suffering. What's the government sort of thinking about on renters, Jeff? It's a huge proportion of the population. They are suffering a lot. This is similar to energy when it comes to the rental market and housing that very much is a cross-government issue. So it's federal government, predominantly state and local government. So as much as they realise it is a burning issue, they do, again, rely on the other jurisdictions to actually come to the party. It's a bit of a double whammy where rent is so high, it's so hard to find a rental property, but you've also got mortgage repayments exploding and we're expecting more increases into next year. So you package all that with inflation, cost of living, energy bills, and it's looming to be a really tough year in 2023. Labor's flagship emissions reduction target has been enshrined into law after passing through the parliament. It's a major victory for the Prime Minister, who claims it will open Australia's doors to billions of investment dollars. Something we know about the energy crisis internationally is that it has shaken some people's faith in renewable energy to be reliable and to come on stream quickly enough to provide cheap power. Where are we at in terms of the government's commitments on climate and what's ahead on that for 2023? 
Oh, it's a huge dilemma for Labor. They've obviously set very ambitious targets. But as we know, with our energy system in this country and energy policy, it's a bloody hard job to get things done. And it's an even harder job to actually fix the transmission networks. And this is a big problem for Australia in the fact that we do have a lot of renewables in the system. Per capita, we have more solar than anywhere in the the rest of the world. But we've built it willy-nilly and we've got a very poor transmission system. You only have three-year terms to get the bulk of what you want done. So they've set their targets, but the actual deployment and actually getting the grid to where they need it to be to be able to reach those targets is a very big challenge. Jeff Chambers is The Australian's chief political correspondent. You can follow all our coverage and analysis of the ongoing energy negotiations and Friday's National Cabinet meeting right now at theaustralian.com.au. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime.